Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. Welcome to episode number two. Um, happy to have Kristen on the show today. And Kristen's going to tell her birth story in 1986 with her baby Joey. Um, she's going to tell us the tale of how she came to have a home birth with her baby at 34 weeks pregnant. And she tells a great story of perseverance and listening to her body's process to birth her baby. Kristen has been an herbal and a naturopathic practitioner for the past 30 years and she's currently healing many women with fertility and as a natural holistic fertility coach. Hi, Kristen. How are you going? Mm. Welcome to the Circle of Birth and welcome to the number two podcast. <laughs> and I'm really oh, pleased wow. that you could come on and share your story with us. Uh, thanks, Ali. I, I just think you're just doing absolutely wonderful work. It's really needed, you know. Women need to be empowered to birth the way that they want to birth. Yeah. So I, I just love your project. Thank you. Yes, and let's hope we can get all sorts of amazing people together to share their stories and empower each other too. So do you want to just... They do. (laughs) Do you want to just start off and tell us about you and your family and um, anything else, the work that you do, and then we can talk about your pregnancy and labour. Okay, so my name's Kristen Day and I've been a practitioner for probably 30 years or so. So I started practicing back in around 1980, 90, 91, 88, somewhere around there. I started with a chiropractor and um, back in those days it was actually really difficult because alternative medicine was pretty poo-pooed. But I had such a passion for it. Um, I'd had a you know a pretty difficult time in my childhood, um, emotionally as well as physically. Well, the emotionally stuff really blew my immune system to pieces. So I really had to go in search of answers for my health and well-being. Um, so yeah, uh, my family. Um, yeah, I married in '88 to a guy. And I was actually pregnant at, uh, actually I um, was pregnant two years before that, but um, interesting story with that, I'd gone off to Queensland to um, study naturopathy and and found out I was pregnant. Um, So that sort of launched me into um, really looking at how to have the, the healthiest pregnancy I could possibly have. I was um, sort of skipping from place to place. So the first thing I really needed was a home base. Um, And we finally settled down on the north coast um, of New South Wales, which is a very alternative area if you know Australia. Um, And, you know, it's kind of like Hippiesville up around um, Mullumbimby, which is where I I landed. And um, I did have quite a few friends around there. So um, I had a few connections, which was really nice. Um, 
Yeah, so I settled there and um, finally found a little place in the hills um, built by a Japanese woodcarver, which is an absolutely gorgeous place. Um, and uh, pretty much settled into healthy living. I lived on the side of a mountain, so I was really fit mm. um, through my pregnancy. I was always walking up and down hills and um, there was an avocado grove around where we lived and I love avocados and uh, so I used to uh, surreptitiously get under the fence and into the avocado grove and steal avocados and, you know, I pretty much looked like an avocado really. Did you get caught? <laughs> no, I never got caught. I look like an avocado. It's pretty conspicuous. That would have been a funny um, sight being caught with a bunch of avocados in your hand <laughs> and a big pregnant belly. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> it would have been. Um, yeah, I had a wonderful pregnancy, actually. Um, I felt the best that I had ever felt in my entire life. I was uh, fit. I was healthy. I was really looking into ways of um, doing the absolute right thing by myself and my baby. And previous to that, I'd had a lot of ill health. Even in my younger years, I had anorexia nervosa. So I was probably one of the first people that, you know, had those, had that, and people didn't know what to do for that. So, you know, it was a really big healing journey for me because I now was responsible for another life. And it really took me out of that mindset of um, looking at my weight and worrying about my weight. So it was a huge healing journey for me. Um, yeah, so back in those days, um, there wasn't a lot of, alternate books around or, or anything and and I'm terrified of hospitals I've been terrified of hospitals since I was a little girl and I was pressured a lot you know it was my first baby and everybody was saying look you really should go to hospital you really should go to hospital and I was you know going I, I don't want to go to hospital all around me uh, the friends on the north coast a lot of my friends had actually had home births and and done it um really easily and really well with the home birth team that were up there. There was a doctor and a couple of midwives, so they are really set up in that area. Um, but I kind of relented and just went, all right, I'll, um, I'll go to Byron Bay Hospital. And I found a lovely doctor and Byron Bay Hospital was really set up quite nicely and they practiced Lamar's breathing and you were allowed a birthing centre and your own privacy. And so I, I kind of said, well all right, I'll compromise, I'll, I'll go that way. Um, but it didn't happen that way. Fate took it all out of my hands or my desire not to go to hospital, one or the other, and uh, the universe pretty much stepped in for me. And around 34 weeks, I started to um, have some pretty heavy contractions and I didn't know what was happening. Um, in retrospect, the baby was actually just engaging um, but at the time I didn't know, so I trotted off to my doctor in Byron Bay who was a lovely man, very meek, mild and unassuming doctor and he kind of panicked and when he panicked, I panicked and he basically started saying, well, you know, this is early and um, we're going to ship you off to Lismore Hospital and there will be humidity cribs and all sorts of stuff. Well, that was just terrifying for me. Um, so... I didn't know what to do and I left that appointment feeling pretty rattled. 
it's really just not what I wanted for me and it wasn't what I wanted for my baby. I wanted to have my baby in a calm and um, nurturing and supportive space. So I was actually terrified. But it was interesting, you know, after that uh, I had another appointment to see him and I had a little car at the time, um, a very reliable little car, mind you, but I decided, well, you know, if this baby's going to be born, I'm going to have to make sure that I can get to where I have to go, which was three quarters of an hour away. So I took my car off to the local mechanic and he went over it and did what needed to do and it was running perfectly. Um, but at my next appointment, I went to get in my car and it just wouldn't go. And I panicked again. I thought, oh, what is going on here? And I went home and I rang the doctor's office and I said, oh, my car won't go. Can I reschedule till this afternoon or tomorrow? And they said, no, no. He's not working for the rest of the week. So I was pretty much in disarray. So I just sat with it for a while. And because I knew uh, my friends had had home births, I contacted them and they put me in touch with the home birth team. And uh, I said, they said to me, look, come down for an appointment when you can get here and just let us know when you're coming. And uh, interestingly enough, when I got into the, went out to get in the car, it went like a bird and off I went down to the home birth. Yeah. Did you, um, the doctor was lovely. So yeah, the, you had a different on. doctor, is that right, for this home birth? I thing? actually switched. Yes, totally different doctor. The doctor that I, I can't even remember his name now. It was 30 years ago now. Um, it's still very clear in my mind though. Um, he was um, quite alternative, which was really nice. Um, so I just switched doctors and I went and saw this guy and um, he just said, look, lie down on the on the bed and I'll have a feel of your tummy. And all he did was put his hands over my belly and he said, look, your baby is absolutely fine. And Judy, the my midwife, was there at the time and they asked me about where I lived and I lived on the side of a hill. And my bathroom was actually about 50 yards away from the house um, and they were all really keen to be able you know to, for me to be able to get into a bath and birth in the bath if I wanted to do that but because the bathroom was that far away from the house logistically it was just really difficult um, the bathroom was gorgeous I wish I could have birthed there because it looked out over the valley and I used to have showers in there in spring water and look out over the hills and with the door open it was just gorgeous but it wasn't meant to be there. So Judy, the midwife, said to me, why don't you come down to my place, my farmhouse? It's just across the highway from Byron Bay. It's not that much further than you were going to go anyway. And I went, yeah, okay. And it was a beautiful old farmhouse that she had. So we went down and looked at it and she showed me around and, and I was really happy with that. So it was um, probably, oh, gosh, I don't know, a week later yeah it was it was a week later and um you know it was kind of murphy's law um my partner at the time we weren't married at that point in time but my partner and my neighbor um who we were all you know we're actually a real threesome up there very close had gone off to the dump to take some rubbish and um <laughs> they got pulled up by the local policeman and as my uh, 
ex-husband, then partner was. He was uh, a little bit of a rebel, to say the least, and he had quite a lot of unpaid traffic fines. And back in those days, they just clapped you in the clinker if you didn't have, if you had unpaid fines, and that was the way you could actually, as they say, cut out your fines and not pay for them. So I got this phone call from Hayden, and uh, he said, uh, I'm in jail. I said, what? You're in jail? And he said, yeah, I've been picked up by the local copper, and I've got all these unpaid fines and I remember saying very distinctly to him, well, you know what's going to happen tonight, don't you? And he said, no, what? And I said, for sure, I will go into labour. And sure enough, nine o'clock that night, I went into labour. And I didn't really realise it was labour because I had, you know, I had actually quite a lot of diarrhoea, but I realise now that that's just pre-labour stuff. It's pretty natural for that to happen. So I rang my midwife in in trepidation and I said, Judy, I think I'm in labour. And she said, oh, okay. And my, and Hayden's in jail. And she said, what? Hayden's in jail. And I went, I know. She said, okay, just let me hear you breathe. And I breathed through a contraction. She said, you're in labour. And I went, oh, my God, what do I do? And she said, ring your neighbour, which I did. And Mark came down to be with me. And she said, and I'll ring, I'll ring the police station and we'll get him out. Oh. So she, and then she said to me, now get your neighbour to go and get you the biggest bottle of brandy you possibly can and have the biggest swig you possibly can. And I said, oh, won't that hurt the baby? And she said, no, it'll just slow everything down. So I sent Mark down to the local bottler when he arrived with brandy in hand, burst in the door and he went and he started pacing. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> and I was quite calm. I just said, it's okay, Mark, just have a brandy get me one and we'll just relax and we'll wait for Hayden to get back. <clears throat> so he started drinking quite a few nips of brandy and I had one big swig, swig of it and he just started pacing the floor like a, an expectant father and I, I couldn't stop laughing. It was really funny. A couple of hours later, <clears throat> they finally got Hayden out of jail and they just didn't believe him, you know. Like when Judy rang the police station, they said, oh, yeah, sure, we've heard all these stories before, blah, blah, blah. And Judy had to say, look, I'm the midwife and it's actually true, so we need to get him home because he needs to drive her to my place so that she can have the baby. So they finally got him out of jail. <clears throat> he burst in the door. He grabbed the bags and he grabbed me and he said, come on then, off we go. And I said, no, it's all right, it's okay. I'm still got contractions about seven minutes apart, I think they were, and he was pretty flustered. So we waited and Mark kept pacing the floor. It was really funny, actually, that both of them started pacing while I was just watching them. Around 1 o'clock, things started to get um, pretty heavy and I thought that I just had really bad diarrhoea pain still, but I was actually in... Um, pretty much in labour at that stage. So we bundled ourselves up and got in the car, rang Judy and said we're on our way. And when we got to Judy's place, the doctor met us there and um, I was kind of starting to get a bit, you know, antsy and a bit edgy and like, you know, where's the doctor? And he finally arrived and um, he actually did 
and examined me and I was about halfway dilated, which was a bit of a surprise to him. But he said to me, look, this is your first pregnancy. I don't expect to see this baby till probably tomorrow afternoon. And I looked at him and I said, I'll see you before sun up. And he went, oh, okay. So um, we all actually toddled off to bed. I had a, we had a bedroom of our own and a mattress on the floor. And I um, tried to relax, but the contractions started to really get full on by that stage. And by th- by three o'clock, I was pretty much in full on labour. And uh, so we went and woke Judy and, and the doctor. And they got up and um, he um, had a look at me and he said, oh, my God, you are, you're in full-on labour. And I just said, look, I want to get in the bath. I want to get in the bath. And they so they ran a bath for me. Judy, was daughter, was there. There was Hayden, my partner, the doctor. I can't remember. There was somebody else and, and Judy. There was about six in the bathroom. And this almighty storm blew up. And it just came out of nowhere. It was in February, uh, sorry, January, and it just blew up a gale. And um, they were all in the in the bathroom with me and they decided they should build a fire because if this baby was going to be born soon, then they wanted to make sure it was warm. So everybody just exited the bathroom and there I was in the bath all by myself and my son decided it was time to be born. I actually felt him come through the birth canal and I was in the bath lying there feebly yelling out, help, somebody, now. And they heard me, thank God, and came back into the bathroom. And um, the doctor said to me, look, you're four weeks early, so I know you want to birth this baby in the bath, but I just want to make sure everything's going to be okay, so we're going to get you out of the bath, okay? So they hauled me out. I'll never forget that walk from the bathroom to the bedroom. It was the most uncomfortable, hardest thing I've ever actually had to do. So they pretty much carried me there and Hayden got behind me and held me up, so I was actually standing and um, the doctor was crawling around underneath me on all fours and checking things out. And um, I was, I didn't actually have an urge to push. And I think that was because my son had been engaged for quite a while. And so I'd kind of gotten used to that feeling of his head being right down and the pressure. And so I asked, can I push? And he went, well, yeah. And so I pushed and my water broke and it went all over him. (laughs) He shook his face (laughs) and cleared the water out of his eyes. And, And then he said, okay, all right, you can push again. And I pushed again and he literally flew out of me and I'm so glad he was crawling around underneath me because he literally caught the baby in his arms. And so it was easy as that for me. Um, And... He picked the baby up, we left the cord intact, wrapped him up and put him in my arms. And so I was standing um, and my partner was still holding me up and I I said, oh, my God, he's alive because the only noise he made was one little squeak. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I haven't felt him move for two weeks. And so I was terrified that he was not alive. And they and I said, well, what is it? What is it? And they said, well, don't you want to have a look? And I went, no, no, just tell me. And they said, oh, it's a boy. And so I um, I opened the blankets and had a quick look and 
there he was, and I'm actually getting really emotional now because he was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. He was perfect. He was tiny. He was only five pounds, but he was just beautiful. And oh my God, I said, oh my God, he's beautiful. And Judy said, actually, he's one of the most beautiful babies that I've seen. So, um, yeah, you bask in that moment. And she turned to me and I hadn't made a peep through my labour and I, I really hadn't had any sort of time to think about the birth because it all happened so quickly. I hadn't had any instruction on breathing or anything like that but I'd gone into it quite naturally and she just looked at me and she held her, held my face in her arms and she said, you did that so well. You are the most well-controlled young lady that I have ever attended birth. And I thought I'd been awful because I got a bit antsy around that transition stage and said, make it stop. But she said, no, that was just wonderful. So, yeah, it was a it was a lovely experience. And as I was birthing, uh, just after the doctor had caught Joey, which is my son's name, the sun peeped over the the horizon and I looked at the doctor and I said, I told you that I'd see you before sun up. And at that moment, that raging storm just stopped. And I looked at them and I said, oh, my God, who is this kid that's coming on a storm? Like, let me tell you, he has been a storm at times. He's a beautiful little Aquarian. He's a gorgeous child and he's he's a beautiful dad now. He has three daughters of his own and two that he's um, inherited from with with his partner and he's just gorgeous. He's a double can- double Aquarian with a Cancerian moon, so he's a real nurturer and, and he has been stormy and, um, yeah, it was just beautiful and I am so glad that fate stepped in and took me down that path. Um, oh, I couldn't have asked yeah. for anything oh. more beautiful. Oh, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing that. I honestly just felt so there and a part of that whole story then and um, I think I'm really going to enjoy this because that was just the way you described it and the fears that you had to overcome and um, it seems like, like you said, you were so aware of what was around you and happening and amongst all this chaos you kept this quiet ability with you and things happened in your favour with, us, you know, like with the doctor, the previous doctor that was fueling you, you with fear and, um, yeah. and then all the events that happened to bring into that experience. That just sounds amazing. And yeah. t- and to sit there and share that moment with the sun coming up and your beautiful baby boy, that's, um, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm so grateful that it happened that way. Um, yeah, and I'm grateful for that connection to you know you're wanting something so desperately for myself and my son to come into this world in a in a calm and beautiful way Mm. that that you know that desire just was fulfilled and and it played out for for all of us it was Mm. it was lovely yeah so do Mm. do you feel um now so that that was 1989 is that right 86, actually. 86, yeah. So now do you feel that the system, do you feel that that experience could have happened um, for a woman with a first child uh, now or do you 
feel it. So, and you, I know as a practitioner, and I think we might get you back um, for another podcast to talk uh, the births that you attended as a practitioner too. Um, just, just to, you know, being sort of um, fueled with fear, I suppose, by a doctor. Um, do you think a lot of women could have just taken that path and gone with what was said and not questioned? Yeah, look, I, I do. I think that um, we're kind of indoctrinated, you know, in our society. I was just so lucky to be up in that area where there was um, a home birth team and that's all they did. They didn't do anything else. Um, they're very uh, responsible in that even prior to the birth, they sat me down and they said, look, we're half an hour, we're not even half an hour from a hospital, we're 10 minutes from a hospital, so if anything goes wrong, we'll, we'll have called the hospital to let them know you're in labour um, and that if anything it goes awry, that we'll be transporting you and they'll actually be ready for you to come. So all of those things were were really reassuring to me um, that they were that responsible. So it wasn't a fly-by-night thing. It was something that was really well set up. And, and look, that can happen, I, I, you know, like you you hear so many stories now of interventions in hospitals and, and caesareans and all sorts of things and I just think, look, you know, I didn't have gas, I didn't have drugs, I didn't have anything. I wanted a, a totally natural birth and and it wasn't just for me. It was for the way children come into the world now. I believe that, you know, if we can start how we mean to finish, you know, it's pretty much about bringing children into a, a in a calm, peaceful way so that they have that innately within them you know, that they, they know that they're safe, that they know that um, they're being cared for and supported in the way they choose to be birthed as well. Um, I think that's really, really important for humanity as a whole, to be quite honest. And, and yes, I think anybody can do this if it's set up the right way. And, and it certainly was for me and it can be, again, you know, it can be anywhere. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. Definitely something to think about, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it is. It, it sounds yeah. like you went from a place that you came into a space where you were supported, knew your options, um, you knew there could have been something with, you know, so-called premature baby at four, 34 weeks that could have gone wrong, but you came into that with support, I suppose, around you knowing that you could go ahead and... Um, you know, there was help there if you needed it, I suppose, not too far away. Yeah, yeah I was very reassured by all of that and their professionalism and their, their dedication um, to their craft. And they were. They were completely dedicated to their craft and, and you know, it was beautiful. Yeah, great. Hey, so uh, postnatally, do you just want to briefly talk about um, the postnatal period and how that went? Yeah, that was pretty awful for me, actually. Um, I, well, I, you know, I didn't get any rest pretty much and I'd gone from my midwife's home to my home um, and I, I had a pretty tough time because he was preemie um, and he was tiny and his mouth was tiny and I was absolutely determined to breastfeed. Um, and so uh, he was so small he couldn't actually latch onto my nipple and so I would express and feed him through a syringe 
whilst holding him to my breast so he knew where the milk was coming from or he would eventually, you know, latch on and, and associate my breast with the breast milk. It was a pretty tough time actually because um, I, he didn't feed that well for eight days um, and I did feed him through a bottle a couple of times so that we could get enough food into him and, um, yeah, he was hungry. So uh, I had copious, copious milk and I think that was, you know, one, because I was healthy and two, because he was a preemie baby and so it was extremely rich and so I struggled and I didn't have support from my partner and I didn't really have any other support around me. I was pretty isolated. So the one thing that I, you know, I nearly went into becoming a midwife and a doula myself for that reason um, because I know how important it is to have that postpartum support. Um, eventually I, I got myself a, a nipple shield. It was called a Mexican hat, which is kind of like a pointy nipple shield. And it was pointy enough <laughs> to put over my nipple for my son to grab. And so eventually I weaned him off that and he latched onto my breasts and I breastfed. Um, but, yeah, look, that support after birth is imperative. Um, I, I don't know about the support that's around now. I think it's pretty good. People will come and visit you, which is great because um, I had really no instruction on breastfeeding and at the time the home birth team were going to come and visit me, but there were a lot of babies being born around that time and it just didn't happen. Um, so it was a pretty scary time for me knowing that I had this little person that I was responsible for to nurture and to feed and I couldn't do it properly, um, but I didn't give up. I just kept working at it and I made lots of phone calls and um, it was eventually a breastfeeding organisation that suggested the Mexican hat to me, um, which was this nipple shield. So... Yeah, I eventually got him feeding. Unfortunately, he had terrible reflux. He still has reflux. Um, and, I mean, it was dreadful reflux. It's reflux where you feed a baby and they're still actually refluxing three and a half hours or more after their feed. And so you can imagine how acidic and horrible that is. So it was a really tough time because I felt like I was hurting him by feeding him and, you know, I, I needed to feed him. Um, and so we were exhausted. I certainly was exhausted, um, particularly with no support, and I actually contracted toxoplasmosis, so I was very ill. I was actually ill for about a year. Um, luckily, the home birth doctor was pretty thorough and he had done a lot of tests on me, and, um, yeah, we, um, he found out that that's what I had. Um, just backtracking a bit, I had taken, um, back to my actual labour, I had taken um, Black Cohosh, which is a well-known birthing home during my labour. But I, me being me and I'm a bit of an extremist, I took too much of it. And I did have a lot of postpartum um, after pains. Uh, it served to be a good thing because I, my uterus and the fundus just completely contracted back to absolute normal. I didn't look like I'd had a baby after I had my baby and I was pretty proud of my body actually and I think I had size 16 boobs and size 8 bottoms so I proudly walked around in a, in a bikini around that time but yeah I was quite ill. Um, I did move back uh, down around the Hunter Valley 
and we were so exhausted that we were actually hospitalised. And um, around that time, they were giving Joey, um, what do you call it, the anti, like Gaviscon. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it has aluminium in it, so I was pretty scared of that too. Um, worried that I was feeding my baby aluminium. So I, I really researched a lot of herbal stuff that I could do for him. So, But it was interesting while I was in hospital because I told them about my birth and the breastfeeding saga and they marched me off down to the labour ward and to the postnatal ward and said, tell these ladies your story about breastfeeding and how you didn't give up. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was quite funny. Um, at least I was actually able to help a few other people there. And, um, yeah, I think breastfeeding is extremely important, particularly for that first phase where, you you know, the baby gets all the colostrum and all that, you know, beneficial bacteria and, and all those immunological um, components of your breast milk. It's, it's extremely important. So, Yeah. Sounds like you really persevered there with the breastfeeding, going through all that. Dude, I was determined to, and I actually loved it. I really loved breastfeeding, and he actually gave up when he was nine months. He just spat it one day and said, not doing that anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was quite well prepared to breastfeed for a year, but he didn't want to, and that's typical of him. <laughs> and he does what he wants to do. <laughs> So uh, any, any resources that you can share with us to um, share with the people of, uh, you know, the support networks that you looked out for and then to the mention of the, the herbs that you took, being a herbal practitioner as well? Yep. Yep. It was quite funny because um, at the time I had a dog that was pregnant with me and um, she had pups. But we lived in the forest and what was really funny about it was there's wild raspberry growing in the forest and she used to go out and source out the wild raspberry leaves and chew them. And I think, in fact, that's how we actually discovered that she was pregnant because she was sourcing out um, raspberry leaves. And so I drank quite a lot of um, raspberry leaf tea all the way through my pregnancy, a lot of chamomile. Chamomile is really high in calcium. Um, very good on your digestion and very calming, so I drank a lot of that. I ate really, really good food, um, a lot of organic stuff up around there. We were really set up for all of that. There were a lot of um, resources for organic food. Um, I took extra calcium in the form of dolomite back then. I'm trying to think what else I did. I didn't take any tablets. I pretty much just stuck to really good food and plenty of protein. Um, I, I am vegetarian now, but I wasn't then, so I was eating meat. Um, but I was also having eggs and, you know, lots of beans and nuts and seeds and things like that and lots of fresh fruits and vegetables and lots of water. I think that's really important, particularly because you need water not just for yourself, but, you know, the am- amniotic fluid is made up of water. So... To keep the consistency of everything right, it's really important to have good water. Um, yeah, I was just really, really healthy and I had um, quite a bit of chiropractic, but osteopathy. I went to a guy in uh, Byron Bay who was both and had a lot of massage and, and adjustments through those periods where things shift and change, you know, around that first trimester 
everything starts to expand in your pelvis and all your ligaments start to stretch and so your back can go out a bit so I had a lot of support in that way um there was a local homeopath in Mullumbimby so I went and saw him as well um you know like I have never had great family support so I'm a very sensitive person so he helped me through some of the sensitive stages that I was going through um yeah, so I just embraced everything I could. There was a book around that time written by um, a guy called Pavo Erola. He's died now, but there wasn't much alternative stuff around um, on nutrition and um, resources for um, for women that wanted to do things naturally. And I found his book and it became my Bible. It really helped me a lot to um, figure out you know, the best way to eat and what to eat and what things to supplement with. I actually think I took brewer's yeast through my pregnancy. I don't think I would do that now. It's very hard to digest, um, but it's very nutritious. So it is good for vegetarians, that's for sure. It has, um, it's fortified with B12, particularly if you're vegan, that's really important. Um, yeah, so I just concentrated on being as healthy as I possibly could possibly could and got lots of rest where I could I used to spend the, a lot of days on the beach I remember one time spending a day on the beach pregnant with my girlfriend and I was so burnt and it was so uncomfortable but yeah we did a lot of um you know um women time together and you know going through that pregnancy together it was it was really nice to have that kind of support so I think that's really important as well so I guess if we can leave the story here, I would say support is the key word, I suppose. If you wanted to give us any um, parting words, would be, would that be it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just imperative. Um, we really aren't that instinctually clued in. And even if we are, we don't know what's the difference between our you know, intuition and, and what we hear around the place about what we should do um, and, you know, we can get railroaded in things we don't want to do. So I think that support in your tribe of people of how you want to have your pregnancy is imperative. I really do. Well said. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing the story. It was just wonderful to, to hear that and your journey and we really thank you for, for being part of it. Uh, look, I, like I said, I think this project is just wonderful, Ali, and I think that you're doing a great service to to womankind, and we we really need our tribe to, you know, connect and and support each other. Great. So thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources, and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower. Mm-hmm.